talk in Pittsburgh has centered around quarterbacks for several years now, and for good reason. But if the 2022 season's playoffs has taught us anything, it's that quarterbacks aren't everything. I'm your host, Jeffrey Benedict. Welcome to the cutting room floor. Quarterback is the most important position on a football team. The NFL has made sure of that. They've increased the importance of the quarterback position by protecting the quarterback, making rules that open up the passing game. All, uh, almost all rule changes in the NFL favor the passing game. They have for years, for a very long time since the Mel Blunt rule. They're not going back on that, and therefore the quarterback will continue to be the most important player on a football team. But they're not the only position that matters. People often act like if you have a superstar quarterback, success is guaranteed for you, especially playoff success, Super Bowls. These things just happen if you have a great quarterback. And that's simply not true. Playoff success happens when you have a team and a quarterback is just one part, although a very important part of that team. Let's go through. Let's look at. Uh, let's, let's look at Josh Allen and Joe Burrow. The Bills Bengals game was all about Josh Allen versus Joe Burrow. And even if you ignore the weather, I think weather effect is is you know both teams faced the same weather, right? Both teams did. It wasn't like Joe Burrow was playing in sunshine and Josh Allen was playing in in, in rain. You know, the same weather. Both sides. You're both affected. You're both negatively affected. Joe Burrow with his small hands still threw just as good as Josh Allen. <laughs> Sorry. I had to get the small hands references in here. Whenever, anytime I can, I have to do it. Contractually obligated. Uh, but when you look at that game, to me, the story of that game is one quarterback had a run game. The other quarterback didn't. Josh Allen's Buffalo Bills, if you take away Josh Allen's runs, they ran 11 times for 37 yards. 11 times for 37 yards. You take out Joe Burrow's runs, the Bengals ran 28 times for 140 yards and a touchdown. One of those two quarterbacks was set up for success. If you look at the yards per attempt, completion percentage, things like that, Burrow and Allen aren't that much different. But when you have a run game setting your quarterback up for success, you often see it in numbers like two touchdowns and zero interceptions for Joe Burrow, zero touchdowns and one interception for Josh Allen. You see differences like that more often when one quarterback has support and is being set up for success by their team. Greatest story out of that game in Cincinnati was they were down offensive linemen and the offensive line stepped up. Next man up type situation, they stepped up. That's always a key factor of any game, but that offensive line was huge for the Bengals winning that game. Joe Mixon consistently had lanes to run through. He had 105 yards on a touchdown on 20 carries. 20 carries. You take away his longest run, he's still right around five yards a carry. Not far off from it. It wasn't just, you know, like one or two big, big long runs and then a bunch of getting stuffed. It was consistent yardage. And that sets a quarterback up for success. 
Because if you're incomplete on first down, you can run on second down and still get to third and, and five, third and four. And that's a big deal for a top-tier quarterback. Another thing is Joe Burrow has Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. He has a lot of options. And one consistent thing you see in the playoffs is for a team that's going to make a deep run in the playoffs, that's going to go to the Super Bowl, you have to win a game where the main driver of your success doesn't work. And what I mean is you have to be able to beat teams when the things that have carried you there so far fail. In 2004, the Pittsburgh Steelers go on that great run. The run game is the major thing on their offense. They face the New England Patriots. Well, let's go Let's go to the game before that. They go into the playoffs. They face the Jets. Ben Roethlisberger has a terrible game. Run game still works. Defense still works. They overcame it. They beat the Jets. They go into New England the next week. New England stuffs the run game. Ben Roethlisberger... Rookie Ben Roethlisberger was not ready to overcome that problem. That, you know, your run game is gone. You've got to make up for it. He wasn't ready for that. You go into 2005 season. They won those games. When Jerome Bettis fumbles at the goal line in Indianapolis, they make a tackle. They get out of it. They survive. They get, you know, all kinds of, when you have a game that, that's where you face adversity, do you overcome it? That's the difference between a deep run and a team that loses. And sometimes that fa- you, you face that in the playoffs. Sometimes you face that right off the bat. Sometimes all of a sudden you're like 2017 Steelers versus Jacksonville. The run defense couldn't stop anybody. Ben Roethlisberger throws a bunch of interceptions early. They have a comeback, but it falls short because too many things of their team weren't working. You have to be able to have something taken away and still get it done. The Bengals won with Jamar Chase having 61 yards and a touchdown. 61 yards and a touchdown. Because Joe Mixon ran for 105 yards. The Bills, Stefan Diggs was held to 35 yards on the game. And they lost badly because outside of Josh Allen to Stefan Diggs, Bills didn't have enough. They had enough enough around them. I'm seeing a lot of takes that Joe Burrow is just clearly better than Josh Allen. I'm going to disagree with that. I think they're, they're in the same ballpark. You want to see which one is better? Usually look and see how the rest of their team is playing. And that'll tell you which one's going to have better stats, which one's going to look better in highlights. They're roughly equal. I put them right up there with Mahomes. I think those three are your your top three right now. And the kind of like transcendent talents, the guys who can just make plays other people can't. Well, also, you know, make the spectacular play, but also make the other plays. Like make the routine plays, make the spectacular plays. They're they're those guys. But I I want to make this point too here. Joe Burrow, three years. So this is his third year. So he's already played two. Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, have this is their fifth year as a starter each. So they've had four full seasons. You've got ten seasons of those guys playing. And combined, they have one Super Bowl. One. 
these transcendent athletes. We're, we, we see memes about, like, how are the Steelers going to keep up with the AFC when they have all these great talents? All these great talents. Well, if those are your top quarterbacks, look at them all. Look at all the people they list in the AFC as being top quarterbacks. Who Who's won? Who's actually won a Super Bowl in that group? I'm not knocking the players. I'm just saying when we when we sit there and we say it's a quarterback race of arms, it's all this stuff. Well, is that what wins? Is that what wins Super Bowls? Like during the time these these guys have been on the field, Nick Foles won a Super Bowl with Philadelphia in the last in those four seasons. Patrick Mahomes has a Super Bowl. Tom Brady, who is not at his age transcendent. He's not that guy making the crazy plays. He's not doing all the things no one else can do. He hasn't been that guy. In fact, I don't I, I think you argue he was never that guy. Right? Tom Brady was never the guy where you're sitting there going, Whoa, how did he do that? Look at Tom Brady highlights. I mean, if you didn't know he won a bunch of Super Bowls, if you didn't know the success he had in the playoffs. You just watched highlights of him, no connection, no stats, no numbers, anything. You compare his highlights to other players' highlights, you might say other players are better than him. But we look at those kind of plays. We look at the guys who can make those plays, these transcendent athletes at these positions. And we glorify them and we say, how are we going to keep pace with them? Well, frankly, they're not the people who win. You You look at the quarterbacks that are like, themselves make the most ridiculous plays. Guys like Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, uh, Lamar Jackson would be on there. Uh, Cam Newton used to be one of those guys when he was fully healthy. There's some of these guys that are just ridiculous athletes can make these crazy throws. Brett Favre used to run around make crazy throws. He won one Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers, transcendent quarterback. Was, was widely touted as maybe the greatest quarterback to ever play the game of football. Crazy touchdown to interception numbers. Quarterback ratings through the roof. Just ridiculous throws left and right all over the place. He won one. Patrick Mahomes has one. Josh Allen hasn't gotten one yet. Joe Burrow hasn't gotten one yet. A lot of these times, we we look at this kind of quarterback and we say, that's how you win in the NFL. That's how you become this great team. You need that guy. I, it That's not what actually works. What actually works is the team around them. You need a good to great quarterback, but you really need a team around them. When 40-year-old Tom Brady... When uh, Matthew Stafford, who was no longer great, like no longer like transcendent, right? He goes to LA, he wins. That team needed a quarterback that could push him over the top. He was good enough to be that guy. But that was a team win. Most of these Super Bowl wins are team wins. And a lot of the times the guys that are transcendent quarterbacks Without a great team around them, they're out early in the playoffs. Pretty consistently. They don't make it to the championship games. and I mean, sometimes they make it to the championship games if things fall right. Other teams are injured or lose, lose players, whatever. Just have a really bad game. 
they're not the ones winning it all. They're not the ones that are the true Super Bowl contenders. It's the people who have a great team. You look at Patrick Mahomes, his one year he won. The Chiefs' defense was stellar that year. The weapons he had on offense. I mean, no one's going to sell short the weapons he had on offense in 2020. It's incredible teams. That's how you win. You go back, you go back like the, the St. Louis Rams, the year they won the Super Bowl. Their defense stepped up and actually was really good that year. When, when Denver Broncos won the back-to-back Super Bowls with John Elway, they had that great run game with Terrell Davis. They had a defense that was really good, and they won too. A really good quarterback is almost a requirement. But the very best quarterbacks, when they don't have a really good team around them, they don't win. So as we look into this offseason, we start saying, okay, Kenny Pickett's our starter going into next season. I don't, I, I don't care if you're a Kenny Pickett doubter, hater, doubter, what, wherever you stand on Kenny Pickett, right? He's our starter going into next season. That's pretty clear. If you think he's terrible, you're going to have to wait a several, several years because it's unlikely he's replaced on that rookie contract. That's highly unlikely with how the Steelers do things. How do you build around a Kenny Pickett to win? What do you give Kenny Pickett to help him maximize his potential and let the Steelers get as many wins as they can out of their new quarterback? We're going to talk about that right after this break. Another day through, coming out with it and making something new. Welcome back, Steeler fans. I'm your host, Jeffrey Benedict. You're listening to The Cutting Room Floor. It's the offseason. Well, postseason, but the Steelers aren't in it. So the Steelers' season is already over. And this is around the time of year where people start asking me about draft prospects. Who do I think the Steelers should take? What position should they take? All kinds of things. I'm not really a draft guy. I don't watch a lot of college football. And my favorite way to react to the draft and to prepare for it is I I do the curtain call. We get into shows there. I get into those players. We talk about those guys, but I don't sit there and say, who should the Steelers take? I'm more of what kind of players would the Steelers be looking for? What would fit them? And I, I, I am not the kind of person who gets that from college film. I don't see NFL traits always on college film. Uh, I don't, I don't think that's always available, right? That's that's actually hard to do, in my opinion, and I'm not that guy. I don't watch nearly enough film on these guys to make those decisions. But if you are a person who has moved on from this season, the Steelers are out of it, you're ready for draft talk, you're ready for that stuff, the show you should be listening to, aside from this show and all the other ones, but the one show that you will find interesting talking draft is the Steelers Fix with Andrew Wilbar and Jeremy Betts. Last week on the fix, Steeler Fix, they actually 
interviewed Paris Johnson Jr., an offensive tackle from Ohio State, who has gotten uh, some attention and, and some some frequency of being mocked to the Steelers. There's some buzz there. Uh, they're they're working on some other interviews. They those guys are our draft guys. They run the big board, and they will be talking all kinds of talk, free agency, roster building, draft. That is what they talk about. That is what they love. And if you want that kind of conversation, that is the show for you. That is the show for you. I hope you'll stick around, like like listen to the rest of the show, but definitely check them out. First half of our show, we li- we talked about why. Why we're talking about the subject of building around a quarterback. Let's talk about this year, how... When teams play better, quarterbacks look better. You you need a good quarterback, but even the greatest quarterbacks, even the transcendent talents, need the team around them to have success. For them to have success and to win games. It takes a team. It's a team sport. There's 11 guys on the field. As much as one guy matters more than the others, he doesn't matter more than 10 other people combined, right? That's pretty easy. There's pretty easy math there. How do the Steelers build around a Kenny Pickett? First thing we have to talk about is Kenny Pickett hasn't started that many games. And when you look at his film, he's not a polished quarterback yet. He's not going to be. Rookies aren't. Very, very, very few are. I mean, even Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning, and uh, he was one of the most NFL-ready quarterback prospects we've ever seen him and like Trevor Lawrence what'd they do their rookie seasons did they look good no he didn't look good as rookies they've come a long way since then Peyton Manning obviously obviously grew pretty quickly but they're not ready for that there's a growth curve for every single quarterback who comes into the NFL there's a growing curve there's a learning curve the first thing you need to do building a team around a young quarterback is ease their transition from college to the NFL and facilitate that growth curve as much as possible. Help them grow. Don't throw them in the water and expect them to swim, right? Help them. Help them grow. We look at, uh, obviously, the moral model here that we have in Pittsburgh is Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, we haven't had any other quarterbacks, really, for, for quite a while. It's been almost 20 years uh, since we had a, had a, had a different quarterback. Uh, so how did the Steelers facilitate his growth? Well, first thing, they switched to running the ball. Steelers were a pass-happy team for several years there, several seasons. They were, well, I shouldn't say pass-happy, but they were more balanced. Ben Roethlisberger stepped in 2004. They ran the ball like crazy. Threw the ball the least of any other team in 2004 and 2005. What a Super Bowl doing it. But when you do that, you take a lot of pressure off your quarterback. You look at what the Steelers did this season after the bye week. When they had a bye week to sit down, you know, change their game plan, work on different things. And they came back focused on Kenny Pickett being their quarterback. They ran the ball. They ran it a lot, and they ran it successfully. And you look at the change in interceptions by Kenny Pickett. That wasn't purely the run game, but it helped, right? That's You don't go from throwing eight interceptions to one. 
like that because you just, oh, hey, maybe don't throw the ball to the defense or, you know, something like that. He wasn't having to push as hard. Before that, he was trying to make plays. He was pushing to make plays because the rest of the offense wasn't working. All of a sudden, the run game's working. makes it a lot easier for Kenny Pickett. And he has more success. The Steelers win. He was 6-1. and one. And games that he uh, started, like he actually played significantly, and I'm not counting the Baltimore Ravens game. He technically started that through one pass. Uh, I'm, I'm not giving him credit for that. But he was 6-1. and one. And a big part of that was the Steelers ran the ball, facilitated his transition to the NFL, helped that growth curve by simply not asking him to do too much, limiting what's on his plate. What's his responsibility? How much he has to do for the team to have success? You limit that, you have more success. I mean, we just talked in the first half. That works for every quarterback. One of the main reasons Joe Burrow looked that much better than Josh Allen is he had a run game making his job easier. You make his job easier... Even the greatest ones are going to do better. You make their job harder, they're going to do less good. This is simply what happens. Having that run game for Kenny Pickett is a big, big deal. And, and helping his, his transition and growth. I think that's why Matt Canada's back. We're not getting into Matt Canada today, but I do think that's why Matt Canada is back is because his run game made it easier. The offense turned it around behind that run game. And that's how you make Kenny Pickett's life easier. Number two, you give him weapons that make plays for him, not just because of him. Make plays for him, not just because of him. And what I mean there is not receivers who can make plays when the quarterback, you know, gives them the ball at the right time, in the right spot, and they're open, right? Like if if the offense schemes you open – and the quarterback throws you a perfect pass, any wide receiver should have success, right? Any wide receiver should have success. When you have players, there, there are players that inside a system where the ball is going to be at the right place, the system is going to scheme them open, they're going to have great success. But you need players, especially with a young quarterback, who's going to make plays when the quarterback messes up, when the quarterback isn't great. When the throw is not that great, who's going to make plays? Let's go back again. The only example we have in recent memory, Ben Roethlisberger. Who were his wide receivers his rookie season? Plexigo Burris and Heinz Ward. Like, that's some forgiving receivers. Like, you don't have to throw great passes. Heinz Ward, I, I know a lot of people think of Heinz Ward purely in the years with Ben Roethlisberger. People don't realize he was he was getting up there. Like he was getting up there in age. He was, I think we, he was seven years in the league when Ben Roethlisberger was a rookie. Right. That was his seventh season in the NFL. He was a guy who caught passes at his shins, rifle shots at his shins from Cordell Stewart on a dead run. That's who Heinz Ward was. And all of a sudden he has a rookie with some talent, but is inconsistent. Plexigo Burris. You, you go back and watch games from 2004. Look at the number of times Plexigo Burris is underthrown and goes back and breaks up potential interceptions. Like, multiple times a game. And in some of those games, it was three times Plexigo Burris came back and broke up an underthrown ball that could have been picked off. 
going over a defender to either snatch the ball and catch it or knock the ball down. I mean, people people used to say he dropped too many balls because a lot of times it would be a contested catch, air quotes being used there, that was really just a bad throw that the defense should have had, but Plexico Burris broke it up. Number of those. One of the reasons after that rookie season he got signed to go to New York was because the New York Giants wanted to give that kind of receiver to Eli Manning. It worked out. Eli Manning had a much better second season, and Plexico Burris was a pretty decent part of it. Those kind of receivers make the quarterback's job easier because when you make a mistake, when the throw isn't perfect, plays still happen. You know, you don't have to try and be perfect. And that takes that that makes your job a lot easier when you can just go out there and play and not worry about having to be perfect. George Pickens is that kind of receiver. You know, you're in trouble. Throw, throw it over there. Probably going to come up with it. You know, throw the ball George Pickens' way. He's probably going to come up with it. Heading into his second season, I can't wait to see what Kenny and George Pickens do. Uh, I think Pickens is going to be special. And I also think that it was hampered a lot this season, even though they did incredible. Highest uh, quarterback rating for any rookie duo with at least 50 targets between them. Like, ever. Incredible. As good as they were, I think the volume could have been higher. I think the, the the overall impact would have been a lot higher had they had time to work together. I think that's going to be a great one. On the opposite side of that, Deontay Johnson. Look at his efficiency this year. Look at how they failed to hook up a lot of times. Deontay Johnson is not a guy who goes out there and makes your quarterback look good. He's going to get open, and if you get the ball to him, he's going to catch it. Most, most, most of the time. (laughs) But he's not a guy out there taking not good throws and turning them into completions. He had the most throws of any Steeler receiver, any Steeler player. The most throws targeting him were intercepted. The highest percentage of throws thrown to him were intercepted. Simply, he's not that guy. He's not making those plays. He's not breaking up bad throws to save his quarterback from an interception. He's not snatching a ball away from a defender when it's thrown off target. Deontay Johnson isn't that guy. I don't know if the Steelers are going to be able to get a different receiver in who can do that. But George Pickens, I think, is going to be the Steelers' main receiver simply because of that. Kenny Pickett's going to be able to trust him. Another big part is defense. Heading into this season, we talk, I've, I've talked about this before, but the number one player by snaps on offense that is a free agent is Zach Gentry. Where does he rank on your importance list for these Steelers to bring back? Where does he rank? Outside him, you're talking like backup defensive linemen, depth re- wide receivers, guys who get guys who play on one year deals, one or two year deals. That's who's in free agency right now. Derek Watt, Zach Gentry, like Steven Sims. Like these are your guys that the Steelers have to decide whether to bring back or not. So you have a chance there to add. You don't 
have to, but you have an opportunity to add a player. Any player you add to that group is probably a chance to upgrade. Either upgrade your depth and be deeper or challenge for a starting job if you want to make a splash signing or a splash draft pick. The big place the Steelers need to work on is defense, where there's a lot of players, a lot of key players. Well, not key players. I just say a lot of players who played a lot of snaps in important positions. They're not the main guys. They're not your TJ Watt, Minka Fitzpatrick, Cam Hayward, Alex Highsmith. They're not your stars. They're not your main guys. Larry Ogunjobi, Terrell Edmonds, Cameron Sutton, DeMonte Causey. There's some guys in there that matter. Devin Bush, Robert Spillane played a lot of snaps. How do the Steelers build this defense to keep them on the pace they were on last year? I'd say the defense you had last year, you should win games with. That's a defense you win a lot of games with. That's a defense you could win in the playoffs with. How do you build that one? How do you build that and make get it back to that point or even better? I, I think really early in the draft, I know a lot of people are saying offensive line. I think a, I think a first round, I think either of those, any of those top three picks bet on an offensive lineman, you're still hoping it's an upgrade. You're still hoping that they're an upgrade on Dan Moore Jr. and Kevin Dotson this season. If you're worried about this season, I don't think I don't think rookies are going to be a big upgrade on the offensive line. Most rookie offensive linemen, especially at tackle, aren't great. Second, third year, they get better. I don't know if one's going to be better than Dan Moore Jr. You'd have to really hit on one or bring in a, a good veteran starter. But you're paying money for that. I just don't, I don't think there's value there. I think the real value is get younger on defense. Get that defensive line. Get a stud on that defensive line. Get a cornerback. Linebacker. You got a lot of positions that you need talent at on defense. Real chances to upgrade defense and build it for the future. That's what I look at when I see this team. I, I, I think... Honestly, I think if you're going to add a receiver to that room, I'd, I'd bring in a free agent. You draft somebody too, take a lottery pick draft, you know, someone who falls, someone who doesn't quite fit the success profiles. Someone like, a, you know, Calvin Austin, who is small but super fast and, and talented. You know, those guys. Bring in someone like that. Someone falls like a George Pickens or some big-bodied possession receiver, you know, falls. Go grab him. Go do it. Other than that, man, I'm I'm putting emphasis on defense because I think a lot of the pieces are here on offense. For this team to come back and give Kenny Pickett the offense he had the second half of this season. And that's what you do right now for Kenny Pickett. And if and if I mean this, look at the second half of the season. Look at that Bengals game. You know what the difference is going to be if we're going to beat the Bengals? It's going to be Kenny Pickett being a better quarterback, and George Pickens being a better wide receiver. That's your number one difference for 2023 that you're going to get. No first-round rookie left tackle 
that's going to make that kind of difference. I mean, you can make a big splash in free agency, bring in a top-tier wide receiver on the other side of him, move Deontay Johnson to your number three receiver. That would do it. That's a lot of cap. It's a big move. To me, I think we roll this back, and I think he's in a good spot. I think the Steelers are in a good spot to improve, and it's really going to be Kenny Pickett. It's going to be George Pickens to determine how much better this offense is. Because, I mean, it's not hard to call a fade route. Steelers didn't call any fade routes this year. Pickens and Pickett weren't on the same page. Their timing was never great between the two of them. You could build an offense off those back shoulder throws they do. Like I, I could go all day. I could go all day on Pickett and Pickens, but I really think that's your future in offense. That's where this offense gets better. And if you continue with the run game you had this year, if that continues in the next season, you keep Najee Harris, you know, rotating snaps. You you get Jalen Warren involved. Man, you could add a running back there. Either either a, g- a good undrafted free agent like a Jalen Warren kind of guy or a late-round draft pick. See if you can get something more in there. Do three running backs. I mean, like, there's options. Have depth. Run the ball like crazy. And if you can do that, and then you've got George Pickens out there, and you've got safeties coming down in the box, and you've got George Pickens out there one-on-one outside, that's the difference. That's how this team gets better. I think this team can be a playoff team next year. I I don't think I would expect a 2005 season. Again, I don't think this team has dearly the talent that was on those 2004-2005 teams. That team was a great team. Desperate for a quarterback. That was a fantastic team desperate for a quarterback. And the Steelers found their quarterback. And they got two Super Bowls pretty much out of that defense. Uh, Hines Ward, Heath Miller, and that defense. They got two Super Bowls out of that. All right. That is is my show for today. And you're watching these playoffs. Keep in mind, it's not just the quarterbacks. Watch what the team around them is doing and how their team sets them up for success. And, man, 95% of the time, the team that sets their quarterback up for success is the team that wins. That's it. All right. As always, <laughs> thank you so much for listening. Make sure you're checking out BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. And the behind the, all the podcasts on the Behind the Steel Curtain family of podcasts. Have a great week. And let's go Steelers. Steelers.